0: This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co host, Phil Goldberg, our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com, bringing you everything in the world of contemporary spirituality that is worth bringing you. We've had wonderful guests over the last five years, hoping to continue and hoping to keep our podcast free of charge. And you can help us. We have, uh, if you go to our website, spiritmatterstalk.com, you can click a button and you can uh, help contribute to. Keeping the podcast on the air, uh, we are not a nonprofit. It's not a, a donation. It's not tax deductible, but it is a way to help us. In any event, we're very fortunate today to have on Reverend Prem Angeli. She has been a student of Swami Satchidananda and Integral Yoga since 1974. She served as Swami Satchidananda's personal and traveling assistant for 24 years, and uh, she is editor of Integral. Yoga Magazine. Uh, Anjali, uh Reverend Anjali, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on with us today.
1: So happy to be
2: here. And please just call me Prem. Okay. All right. It is Prem. <laughs> um, so uh, just so our listeners know, um, we, I think you're the third person we've interviewed who had a, a, in, the, in the integral yoga uh, tradition and who knew Swami Satchidananda. So if people wanna look uh, to see our interviews with uh, Swami Ashokananda and with um, uh, Sandra McClanahan, um, doctor, I should say, Sandra McClanahan, please check the archive. And, and also,
1: also, you just had you just had one of my other one of my favorite people in the world, Clyde Ford, which I saw. Oh love. my
2: goodness! Yes, yeah, are you a friend loves- of Clyde's?
1: Yeah, I know him as Shiva. For yeah. you know,
2: right, right, that's right. We talked to yeah. him with Clyde about his days in at Yogaville. Quite right. Thank you. Uh, we have mutual friends there. So Prem, uh, before we get into uh, some more substantive uh, issues around uh, your time with Satchidananda, tell us how you got to that. You've been, you've met him in 1974, it sounds like, and. Um, what uh, preceded that? Tell us a little bit about the origins of your spiritual path.
1: Sure. Well, you know, it's it's kind of can sound very woo-woo in a sense, so I kind of no. hesitate. You know,
2: nah.
1: <laughs> I don't we can often. handle
2: it. We've done woo-woo.
1: <laughs> okay, so you're gonna get some good woo-woo because while I did actually meet him in physical form in 1974. I actually first saw him in toward the end of 1966, early 1967. I was a really rebellious teenager growing up in New Jersey. I mean, I was young, you know, maybe I was like just turning 14. So I would often on the weekends sneak out of the house, (laughs) don't tell anyone, and into New York. There was a bus right on the, you know, two blocks away. I could just jump on a bus, 20 minutes, be in the city, and I'd go down to Greenwich Village pretending. I was, like, part of the scene and everything, you know? So I was just, you know, I was always, like, just a rebellious kid, experimenting. Okay, it was the 60s, you know? And I just was, like... What's all this stuff? These head shops. And I'd wander in. So one day I wander in, I buy a couple of posters. I think it was like Deep Purple and Buffalo Springfield, something like that. And then I saw this other poster and it had four letters at the bottom. I'm like, is this a new group? I mean, what is this? G U R U. And I'm like, G U R U. But I was just entranced by this picture of this look this peaceful, exotic. Hippy kind of looking somebody, a uh, sage-like being. So got that poster too, some incense, a Robbie Shankar album and headed home. And I had that poster in my room for about nine years. And then one day I just, I remember saying to my mother once, um, Hey, you know, I was, I think it was like turning 18, maybe maybe 17 and a half or so. And I said, are there people who just like, they don't eat meat, you know, is there some (laughs) name for these folks? And she goes, yeah. Like, you mean like a vegetarian? I'm like, yeah, that's what I am. I'm a vegetarian, but I had no idea what that really meant or what to eat. I just felt drawn. I mean, clearly past life things. So anyhow, I'm, I'm in another like new age kind of shop in New Jersey, just, you know, looking around and I see this newspaper I pick it up and then it says vegetarian cooking classes in some of the ads. And I'm like, ah, that's what I need. I need this vegetarian cooking class. And I look, I'm like, where is this? Oh, okay. Not far from me. Garfield, New Jersey, where there was an integral yoga institute. They're having a vegetarian cooking class. So I, I sign up, I go in, I get to the top of this long flight of stairs and literally fall over on my knees. And I got to tell you guys, I mean, I was like agnostic at the time on my way to atheist. So I, you know, I wasn't expecting to have some kind of spiritual experience or anything. I was going to this yoga place, not interested in yoga, just wanting to know what is all this vegetarian stuff. I'm really interested. I want to learn. But I mesmerized at the top of the stairs, the picture I had in my room for the past nine years is the same <laughs> picture they got up there?
2: And wait, but I have to interrupt you for a second. Go ahead. In that intervening nine years, Sacha Ananda became very famous because of Woodstock. That went by you. You never. It that went
1: t- by me. No, I was young. You know, I he did was it. Younger
0: than us, Phil. Yes, yeah. I get it. He is yeah. younger than us. But yeah. she
2: was a teenage hippie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I know I didn't know of him. I mean, I knew about Woodstock. I actually I got a ticket for Woodstock. I think I was 16 then. And I hitchhike I was hitchhiking until my parents pulled up the car, (laughs) dragged me back into in the car, and I was grounded for God knows how long. Yeah. So I never made it to Woodstock, had never heard of and you gotta remember there was no name on this poster that I had. It just said G-U-R-U. I didn't know who it was, and I just I didn't think much about, you know, I was still kind of atheist, you know, agnostic, going on atheist, and I was studying some, you know, I was in college, I was studying some philosophy stuff, some Eastern, some Westerns, was seeming interested, I knew some people who were Phil doing TM, Mm -hmm. right, at the time, and that was, you know, I was kind of not really that interested in any of that stuff, but... What happened was at that institute, something happened to me because I just saw this picture and I'm like, uh, the teacher comes running out from the cooking class because she hears me. I don't even realize I'm actually sobbing. Hmm. And she's like, are you okay? Did you, did you fall? Uh, uh, What happened? I'm like, I'm just, I can't talk. I'm pointing to the picture going. uh, And she's like, what, what, what? And I'm like, who is that? And she's like, Swami Ananda, our teacher I'm like wait he's real <laughs> and she's like what are you talking about I'm like he's been hanging in my room for like all these years wow. <laughs> who is, who is he and she's like yeah he's our he's a yoga master he's our teacher the center is based on his teaching and they're like oh my gosh she says yeah you can meet him I'm like I could meet him She's like, yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, I can call you when he's, you know, coming next to New York. You can go listen to him. I'm like, what? So that was the beginning for me. And I never, I didn't take any yoga there. I just, I took the vegetarian cooking class. I loved it. I loved the whole vibe of the Institute. My mind was already blown that I seemed to have some connection to this yoga master. And I could tell you the whole story of me actually meeting him for the first time and going to the first talk, but that's another long-winded thing.
0: Yeah. Well, let's go a step at a time. Hey, first I want to ask you. I also grew up in New Jersey, a 20-minute bus ride from Manhattan. What town was that?
1: Hey, we were next-door neighbors. I, no, <laughs> that what? was in—it was in Clifton on
2: the border. Of okay,
0: I, I, I know, know I'm, Clifton. I'm from you North did. Bergen. I grew up near the Lincoln Tunnel. Oh, so, okay. It, In any event, I'm one of those people that saw Swami Satchidananda for the first time, not at Woodstock, but in the film Woodstock, but back back then. And I was taken by him. His eyes were uh, very penetrating, powerful, and uh, definitely gave a boost to my spiritual journey. I was actually doing TM at the time. And when I saw the video of him, I thought he was Maharishi. They all looked (laughs) the same to me. But what what (laughs) similarity was, was the depth of inner light of inner life coming through their eyes um yeah so when you tell us about when you you first actually met him or saw him in person and what, what that experience was like and did were your first practices through uh his uh, the integral yoga was it uh, yoga was it meditation where did it go from there
1: yeah so so i'll tell you dennis and <clears throat> phil it's crazy because i So I was in college and I had dropped out of college. I was in Ithaca, New York. I had had kind of a nervous breakdown. It was really like in an existential crisis when I first came to, you know, the Yoga Institute, you know, wanting to sort of get healthier and do the vegetarian thing. And then I thought, okay, let me see what he's got to say. I'm not like, I don't know. I mean, I've got to meet him since I feel like he's been living in my house. You know, I've got to meet him. But Mm -hmm. I... I just didn't know it was all kind of still weird, you know, to me. So I said to a friend of mine, Hey, listen, I got a call and this Swami is going to be in New York giving a talk at St. John, the divine. Uh, would you go with me? Because uh, I'm a little nervous. So she's like, yeah, sure. I'll go. And she said, and if you want, we can stay over at my parents because her parents, though they taught at this college in New Jersey, they lived in Manhattan. So she said, we can stay over. And that way we don't have to, you know, go back at night. And so we just relax. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. So we wind up going to the, the cathedral, St. John the Divine. And we, we're we there early. Because I want to be sure, you know, hey, I don't know how this is going to be sold out or whatever. So sit, we're sitting literally in the first row because we got there so early. Now people start to come in they're wearing all these like looks to me like pillowcases, these white kurta things. And, you know, I hadn't seen that at the yoga Institute because I was just taking a vegetarian cooking class. Okay. They're got some chanting going. I'm like looking at her going, this is getting weird. Um, And she's like, Yeah, well, I'm not leaving now. I mean, we came all this way. So I said, all right, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, that's it. Then let's get the heck out of here. So comes to be time for the Swami to come out. He walks across the stage and I'm like, literally, my mind is blown again because, you know, this picture I've been looking at all these years, (laughs) hanging in my bedroom, um, is now walking on the stage right in front of me. And I'm like mesmerized. And then I'm like, okay, but still, I, you know, I'm probably going to just listen for a few minutes, get out of here. He starts talking. The first thing out of his mouth, Western psychology. My ears perk up. I am in my last year of college majoring in psychology. And he says, psychologists think that the mind is who you are and it's all of who you are. So He starts talking about, you know, when you feel depressed, you say, I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm upset. Who's that I? Are you upset or is your mind upset? And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And then he starts talking about a mirror. He said, have you ever seen your face in a mirror? And he's looking at the audience to, you know, reply. And everyone's like, wait, what? And then he says, yeah. Have you ever seen your face? And everybody raises their hand. Of course, yeah, in a mirror we see in our face, sure. And he's like, no, no, no. Without a mirror, have you ever seen your face? You know, we're all looking at each other like, mm, how would you see your own face? No. And then he says, exactly. You need the mind to act like a mirror to reflect your face, your true self. But if that mirror is curved, or clouded, or like a funhouse mirror, you get a distorted view of yourself. You think, oh my God. He said, have you ever heard of someone running to a doctor saying, I looked in the mirror and my face is cracked, it's wavy. You know, And, and he was like laughing and saying, no, you realize there's something the matter with the mirror. Well, your mind is like a mirror and my mind, I'm telling you, Dennis and Phil, my mind completely blown mm. Mm. because here I am. I'm so sure I am the psychology major. I think I know everything about psychology and I am sure that I am my mind. I am my body. Yes, that's how it is. But yet something was really ringing true. Big time true because I was also miserable, depressed, <laughs> anxiety ridden and I'm thinking I don't know and all of a sudden I become aware of something poking me and it's my friend and she's going it's been 10 minutes and I literally I'll never forget this moment I turned to her and I said something very prescient I said to her Liz I'm never going anywhere again
2: (laughs) yeah I think every, a lot of people will identify with your story Prim. Yeah, especially yeah. of a certain age. Right. Um yeah, searching.
1: go ahead. We were searching. We had this deep like existential angst, right, that we're going through. We're deeply a lot of us were deeply searching. We didn't know if it's spirituality, it was yoga, what the name of it was but he just spoke to the heart of it. I mean, for me, in my language about psychology.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Let's fast forward now, you you get to know him, you become close to him and- No,
1: no, no, what happened was I only, but at the end of that program, Again, remember, I've been to the Integral Yoga Institute to take this vegetarian cooking class, but I don't know, how do you spend time with him? You know, how do you get more mm-hmm. of this, of what he's saying? So I go to the back of the cathedral, you know, the it was at the Synod House. I go to the back, and there's this guy, and he's in white, and he's got this orange scarf, which I later learned was a pre-monastic. And I said to him, hey, listen, how do I join? And he's like, join what?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like... Join this, whatever. He's like, I'm not sure what you're asking. We don't have anything to join, but we're doing a retreat uh, next month. So that was my first exposure Mm. to integral yoga was Mm. through a 10-day retreat. Now, imagine no experience in yoga. I had a little experience in meditation because a friend of mine did sort of drag me to TM and say, this might help you because I was such a nervous wreck in college. So I had maybe like a year of TM practice. And, but, you know, going to a 10-day yoga retreat, oh, by the way, did I mention it was a silent yoga retreat? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: That
2: might have been difficult.
1: Oh, my God. But every night, Swami Satchidananda spoke, and man, did I plant myself in the front row? Oh, yes, I did. And I just made copious notes of like every single thing he said. I was like a sponge. I wanted to drink it up. And during that retreat, the whole retreat was structured sort of like how it is in, you know, if you come to Yogaville today and you want to follow the basic schedule, it's kind of like that. You get up in the morning for meditation, followed by Hatha yoga, followed by, you know, a light breakfast. Then you do Karma yoga, which is selfless service. Then you maybe do another hatha class or some pranayama in the afternoon. And then in the evening, there'll be some kind of spiritual study or discussion. So like that. So that's how the retreat schedule was. But in silence, I almost lost my mind at day five. And I'm like researching buses out of
0: (laughs) docks. Was Swami Satchidananda running the retreat or was somebody else?
1: Well, how he did was... He would be there on site for the retreat, and then the teachers who he trained would lead you know, the classes, but he would just show up. Like, for instance, day five, I'm about to leave. I basically got my bags packed, and my karma yoga assignment was mopping floors in this—this uh, this was in Newport, Rhode Island—mopping floors inside this um, palatial estate. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't mop the floors at home, folks.
0: Right, right.
1: I ain't doing this anymore. And in walks Swami Sachidananda, And all these, and I'm trying to be like, okay, I'm silent. I'm dying to ask him a million things. This is the first time, like, up close and personal. I'm the only one in the room mopping the floor. He walks in, looks at me like gaze, one of those penetrating gaze. And he said, ah, oh, good, cleaning everything up. <laughs> and turns around and walks out. I'm like, yeah, I'm staying
2: <laughs> Prem one of the things that's always interested me in all my research and and everything is um life around the guru but uh the 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 uh atmosphere the dynamics or of uh, gurus and th- their disciples and devotees um so I, i'm curious because you spent so much time uh at uh, such an side over the years traveling and and all um and being his assistant what was it like um was there uh there's a, there was a, you know the tendency to put gurus up on pedestals that you know uh, would be impossible for anybody to <laughs> stay on yeah. um yeah. Uh, the competition around gurus for his attention it's right. usually a hymns now there's some hers um, the uh, you know dynamics uh, that I've seen and heard about with every guru and I'm curious how he dealt with it because in my experience a lot of gurus you know don't really like to be treated in that way they like you know they they like their human side to be uh, acknowledged so what was it like
1: yeah and I think that's why he kept me around for so many years you know as as annoying as I could be you know either pestering him (laughs) with questions or you know just Over mothering him because, you know, I want to be sure he stayed for the most amount of time in the physical body on this planet Earth (laughs) because I felt like he was, you know, so needed. Um, But the thing is, yeah, it's exactly what you say. I think there was all of that, you know, back in the day, you know, we're again, we're talking about 70s, maybe early 80s. It's still kind of all new, this whole you know, guru from India and all and and all of the traditions and, you know, the teachings. And uh, because, you know, integral yoga, it's very classically based. You know, he had a guru, there's a whole lineage. It's not just, you know, somebody made up some system and, oh, let's, you know, play it as we go and make it up as we go and whatever. It wasn't like that. So there were formalities and that he actually himself taught us because we were a bunch of wayward, some hippies, teens, et cetera, et cetera, young people, and never had any respect for anything. And without the res- proper respect and relationship, he would always say, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. But the, So he he would be in teaching mode in that way. But personally, ugh, he was not into it. I mean, he used to always say... I would ask him, can we get rid of this old suitcase now in the attic, you know, that is you brought with you when you came? He'd go, no. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh,
2: that would be a collector's item now. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> it is, I think it is now. But, he, but he, would, he said when I said, like, let's get rid of this. Let's, you know, let's get some nice new luggage for you. Travel all the time. He's like, no, we're not getting rid. I'm like, why? He's like, because any time you people decide you've had enough of me. I got my bag. I'm all set. See ya. That's great. <laughs> so, you know,
0: I, I, Pratt, yeah. when did when did Yogaville begin and what was that like creating that?
1: Well, you know, th- there were early Yoga. It was always really from the time Swami Satchidananda first came to America. He always loved this idea of creating a yoga village, you know, a place where people could really live yoga be like a full immersion not you just go to some you know in those days remember guys it was like you wanted yoga you were going to like a postures class that's yeah. post, you know as Edwin Bryant would say that's postural yoga right. that's not classical yoga Swami Sajananda was teaching classical yoga sure hatha yoga was a part of it but that wasn't the whole nine yards of it so it's the whole the whole way that Yogaville started was because he started talking about hey let's let's see if we can kind of create a community here where you could live, breathe, eat yoga. And we're all like okay, but how would we do that? You know, we're in New York city or we're in New Jersey or we're in Los Angeles, you know, San Francisco. So he's like, let's look for some property. So the first yoga actually happened in California in this place called Calistoga Springs.
0: Oh, I know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was like in 1972 ish, something like that. 71, 72. And then there was tons of problems with that property so there was this, uh, offer to set up something on the East coast. So then, um, they found the, the, you know, the Pomfret center, Connecticut property. So everyone moved there. I moved from New Jersey there. Everyone sort of, you know, came to Pomfret, but again, it it was a large house at the time. So it could accommodate a lot of people, but After, you know, a few years of people being involved in the community developing, there were people who, who, you know, some people were interested in a monastic lifestyle and other people wanted to get married and have families. And there was just no room for them to be there. There just wasn't enough property. You know, so some people bought some property across the road. And then, you know, we also did put up one building where a couple of families could share. It was like a two family house, but there just wasn't enough room. And also, it was freezing. It was northern, northern Connecticut. So 75% of the time, we're digging ourselves out from snow and spending any money that we could possibly make from, you know, any programs or that were sent in by donation, all going into the heating bill. So out of the blue, he says, I guess it was like around 1978, uh, let's look for some warmer climate. And we're all like, what? start all over again. But that's how the movement, you know, in the mm. exodus to Virginia happened. And that was 1979. We got the property. And the first people toward the end of the year started moving in, like a, a family moved in and they started like clearing land because there was nothing here. There's one house on like 650 acres of land. And so, you know, they started to do this thing and then gradually just like, Again, everyone left every center just congregate in Virginia. It was just like pioneering days, just clearing land, building, constructing, you know, pulling everything together.
2: Very good. Uh, Now, that's a long time ago, Prem. You've seen a lot of changes. I'm curious about a few things. One, um, how Yogaville is dealing with – the coronavirus crisis, because and we should say that one of the things I've admired about what has been um, uh, how Yogaville has evolved is um, it, it, it is a community of people, you know, close to the integral yoga lineage. But it's also uh, open to the public. And you've had workshops going on there uh, for many years. And it's, it's not all uh, about Swami Satchidananda's teaching. You have a very eclectic uh, a bunch of uh, uh, teachers coming, and uh, I always like that about it. And it, it, it fits what I know of Swami Satchidananda, who is very uh, ecumenical and very involved in, in interfaith work and all that. So um, how did that evolve, and, and, and how are things now? How are you dealing with COVID?
0: Yeah, uh, Phil, let me interrupt for a second. I'm gonna have to sign off. Phil will continue. Okay, and, uh, Prem, uh, wonderful. And uh, yeah, nice to meet you, Dennis. Nice meeting you, Phil. Carry okay, on.
2: Okay, Dennis, thank you, sir. <laughs> go do what you have to do. Yeah, go ahead, Prem.
1: Okay, so thanks for asking, Phil, because yeah, it's been a long journey. You know, we started out, it was really the focus was on developing Yogaville and you know, creating places for people to be and live. And there wasn't so much focus on programs or the public. It was more like, so it sort of started in phases. So first it's like, let's get this established. So there was like the main ashram and then building like a monastery for the monastics, a place for Swami Satchidananda to stay when he was in the U.S., which, you know, while we were building Yogaville, he was spending more and more time there. And he wasn't just like, oh, you know, looking out from some ivory tower. I mean, he was the one who cut all the first roads on a on a bulldozer. He was the one driving the bulldozer. (laughs) So he, he was right in there, you know, weed whacking and doing all that. And then, you know, he he had also been sharing his vision to create, like you were mentioning, this interfaith shrine, because. Part of his teachings, I mean, really foundational to the integral yoga tradition and system, is this understanding that there are many, many paths, right? There's many ways to get to the mountaintop. Mm -hmm. They all lead to the same experience, basically. And he said, why are we always endlessly fighting in the name of religion or faith or my way is better than your way? You know, he wanted to really just make such an impact and a difference in how people looked at spiritual life, religion, wisdom paths, and look at it more like a garden of all different flowers that could just enhance the experience of the garden versus let's just have roses. No, no, no. Let's just have carnations, you know, Let's just have green plants. So he loved bringing people together, and so he very much wanted to create uh, a shrine that could convey this vision that he had of this many paths, but under an all-encompassing understanding of the unity within mm-hmm. the diversity. You know, so so that was another thing. We spent like by the early 80s. We're already, you know, digging foundation and, you know, making plans for trying to create this interfaith shrine. So the whole time, it's like we're pioneering, pioneering, pioneering.
2: So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah,
1: and then, go ahead.
2: I was going to tell people they should Google Lotus Shrine and, and see yeah, you know, if the you, outcome. Yes. Of it.
1: Yeah, so if you go to lotus.org, so L-O-T-U-S dot org, you can, because it's it's closed right now, because of the pandemic, but you can take a virtual tour that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, can, it is. You can just see the whole thing. Yeah, and whole 180 degrees, just magnificent. So it's a gorgeous shrine, and, you know, it was a real labor of love. And so a lot of the energy was going into that. Then sort of phase two was... Okay, now we have the basics. And he always said, you know, I really don't. He never liked the idea of like, let's charge for programs, sell the teachings. He he wanted, you know, he was very magnanimous, very generous. Let's just give it away. He'd be like his teacher, Swami Shivananda, giving books. You know, somebody a guest would come, just give them all the books. Give them all. The- mm. But the financial people were going, um, excuse me, but we're going to go under very soon if this continues. Yeah, so, yeah. so he's like, okay, we'll come up with ideas for like cottage industries. And he said, let's be a full village. So, you know, we started some cottage industries. We got had a, we have a credit union. Uh, we started a publications department, you know, so just trying to find all these different ways. But when it came down to it, this was a big operation and we just couldn't survive. We couldn't keep our heads above water. You know, it was like, we kept building, building, building. Cause we're all so excited about what this yoga village could become. And more and more people are wanting to come and live in the community. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, uh, guys, how do we pay the bills? So it's like, yeah, we got to do programs. So one of the things we started to do was to do, you know, the professional teacher training programs. We actually were one of the first organizations. Yes, you
2: were. Yep,
1: yeah, to start that. And even in yoga therapy, we were really kind of trailblazing the way because of the work of Dean Ornish, a student of Swami Ananda. So, you know, we we finally figured out, yeah, we've got to get this together. And so we started offering a whole program of teacher trainings. And then we said, well, we have all this beautiful land now. We've got dormitories. We have nice, beautiful private quarters for people to stay. You know, guest houses. We've got this beautiful shrine now. We have these beautiful meeting halls uh we better get some people in here. So that's when it started, like, okay, let's expand. And in the spirit of the interface, spirit of Swami Satchitananda, let's invite different people who are like-minded, right, and come from also, you know, classical traditions, uh, but maybe, you know, someone from Buddhism, Sufism, or someone who has, you know, been doing body work, uh, yoga therapists at the time of which, you know, wasn't a thing, but people who were working with like yoga for the special child, you know, some of Swami, mm-hmm. Vanda, his own students were developing these specializations based on their interests, interests. So like, you know, yoga for autism, for special, the special child for, um, Uh, Yoga for, big yoga for people who didn't fit the, you know, little uh, Lululemon uh, look. So, <laughs> <laughs> Very
2: good, Prem. You know. Let me let me. I'll add that uh, the uh, Integral Yoga magazine uh, reflects that kind of openness. Um, I've been in the magazine. A lot of other people who are not uh, devotees of Satchidananda, who come from different uh, pathways, have been in there. So I would recommend the magazine to people as well. I'm also curious about what happens uh in organizations uh that were guru centered that were founded by gurus after the guru passes and integral yoga is one of the places and yogaville uh, has survived and thrived quite nicely and uh, satchitan has been gone what 17 18 years now
1: yeah 18 years now Mm -hmm.
2: and um what was it like, at then have the original people, the people of the 70s and 80s who matured and uh, stayed with it? You mu- there must have been some attrition, people leaving the village, people moving on to professions and householder lives. Has it also been regenerated by uh, young people coming in? And, yep. and, and was there a difficult transition after Swami uh, was gone?
1: Well, here's the amazing thing, Phil, you know, he was so prescient and uh, obviously, you know, very wise and thoughtful. He stepped back from the administration of any of the integral yoga institutes or ashrams many, many years prior to when he actually left the body. So there was already a structure an administrative structure in place. And though it was tweaked here and there, basically it was all set because he used to always say, Hey, I could be gone tomorrow, you know, or he would say, you know, I, I don't belong to you people. I, I serve the world. So he would really make us, you know, he would just reinforce over and over the need for our own independence. And I'm not going to say it was easy. I mean, when he left the body, you know, his, the close students, devoted students. I mean, I was, you know, we were all devastated, Mm -hmm. you know, to lose our spiritual master in the physical form. And yet we were so trained by him for so long and so deeply Mm -hmm. that the guru is, he's the example. He's the mirror of, of the wisdom within each of us that, we're trying to, you know, really bring forth. So it was all within us, anyhow, all along, as you know very well. And mm. so it was a, it was a process, was sort of a twofold process: just administratively shoring everything up to make sure that everything, you know, stayed in place and functioned properly, and then just to really also continue to practice deeply and be very, you know, devoted to our own sadhana, our spiritual practice, to be sure that we were embodying these teachings that we were studying. You know, it wasn't just all about, even though it was a lot about him because he was so, he had this, you know, just captivating presence and You know, you dream of being able to go somewhere like you could come to one of our centers if he was speaking or come to Yogaville and literally ask him anything and know that you were going to get a sincere, honest, very deep, insightful, sometimes life transforming answer. Mm
2: Very
1: good. Yeah, to not be able to do that anymore was challenging. But the good thing, too, was we taped everything. Right. We've, we, so we have years of beautiful teachings, videos, of courses, books, et cetera, et cetera. And to answer your question about you know the young people, so we started, I don't know. I mean, even when Swami Satchi was in the body, we started a program. It was called Living Yoga Training. And this was really geared to younger people who are maybe, maybe they wanted to take a gap year before college. Or maybe they just got out of college. They weren't sure what they wanted to do. They could come to Yogaville for a month program, which would be an immersion in integral yoga and see where it went from there. A lot of people just come for a month. Some people extended become what we call ashram yogis and they go into a different program where it's less structured, but it's still, they're going through the schedule. Um, They're doing karma yoga. They're more involved with maybe the, you know, the structure and the, and the administration and all that. And then they can see, hey, is this something that maybe I want to get even more involved in? A lot of people go from that into a teacher training, become mm-hmm. yoga teachers, go out into the world. So we've had a constant flow. And, and then I would say over the last like maybe four or five years, we have an amazing now staff of young people Who are really the next generation? They're being trained and entrusted, you know, with leadership roles uh, to be able to take over from us old fogies.
2: Okay, speaking of old fogies, (laughs) um, I have—we only have a few, a couple of minutes left, so I have two more questions. One. Uh, you just started with Swami Ashokananda uh, a podcast called Old Foggy Yogis, yeah, so I want you to just yogi. mention that, but there was one other thing I wanted to bring up, and we'll have to do it briefly. Okay. Uh, recently, I was writing about the importance of uh, people on a spiritual path being engaged in the world, in, yeah. in all the troubles of the world. And there's often, there's been, as you know, a tendency of people to disengage, and I yes. was arguing against that. And I found myself quoting <laughs> and, uh, and and I'm going to read this now. Our main purpose in yoga is not just to be tranquil, peaceful, enjoy the bliss, and do nothing. If that is so, there's no difference between us and a rock. rock. The rock is always blissful. You can see that it's well-balanced and it doesn't worry about pleasure or pain. Somebody can jump on it or there can be complete <laughs> chaos all around, but it is unaffected. However, there's a difference between the rock and the yogi. And, and he talked about being good stewards in the world. And I want... If you could just in a minute or two comment on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the heart of it. what's the point? He said, you know, there's no point sitting in a cave. It's you bring your enlightenment into the world, right? It's it's all about enlightened activity. You've missed the point. It's called Turia Tita in the tradition. Mm-hmm. You you reach the Turiya state and the Titas, you come back and you bring that into the world. So that was definitely. Very important part of his teachings and why he stressed karma yoga so much. Right. Absolutely. Now, I also do want to just briefly say that you had asked about what are we doing in the pandemic? And it hit us hard Mm. because a lot of the income here is from, you know, the guest stays and the actual residential programs, you know, weekend programs. But we did transition to yogavilleonline.org. So you can go to, you know, yogaville.org and there is yogavilleonline.org. There's also through the integral yoga teachers association, there's a virtual studio and you can see the links on the, the yoga page. So that's all happening. And we're just trying to do more and more. We're even doing teacher trainings online. Wow. Um, and to briefly mention, yes, yeah, Swami Ashokananda, thank you for uh, mentioning that. Phil, um, very, very, Dear spiritual friend, we launched, we just launched last week a, a podcast. It's on it's it's hosted on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com, but you can get it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, everywhere. It's called Two Old Foggy Yogis and it's like this. It's like, you know, it's inspired by your podcast a lot. <laughs> you know, it's two friends talking about our spiritual paths. We don't have guests at this point it's just he and I sort of riffing on things we've struggled with things we're working on things we've learned along the journey you know and that we can share with listeners and it's fun and you know a lot of laughter and if we do a season 2 then we might have guests and you know I've twisted your arm to say <laughs> you want to come on so
2: <laughs> you don't I don't need twisting I have a book to yeah. promote <laughs> 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 well, it's great, and I want to let people I remind people, as I said earlier, we also interviewed Swami Ashokananda some years ago. So both the hosts of Old Foggy Yogis are now represented on Spirit Matters. And um, Prem, thank you for being with us. It was a delight. And um, any last words?
1: Oh, well, thank you. I'm, I'm grateful to you and Dennis for having me on. It's been a blast. And uh, I would just say to everyone, you know, just, just remember to take deep breaths, be peaceful, easeful, and then you'll be useful.
2: That sounds familiar. Very good, <laughs> Pram. Thank you so much. It's been yeah, a, a delight and we'll be <laughs> in touch. You. Take sounds- care.